listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday on this July the 19th in the year of our Lord 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. I'm all by myself in the studio live. So you can phone me if you have any question. The number to phone in the St. Louis area is 821-0850. And anywhere in North America, 1-800-730-2727. And we also have some emails that we want to respond to. Not long ago, I had done a Bible study on the great banquet in Luke chapter 14. That's where this individual invites everybody to a wonderful banquet, and they all begin to make excuses. Now, the email writer asks... People give all sorts of excuses for not going to church. Some say they don't need to go to church because Jesus did everything necessary to redeem us, and we are not saved by works, so why should they go to church? Then there are those who know they should go to church to thank, praise, worship, and receive absolution and forgiveness of sins, but they have many other obligations. So church is given lower priority Because God is loving and forgiving. And here comes the question. Is it a sin not to go to church? Will these people miss out on the great banquet on the last day? So, excellent question. We need to be very careful when we read a parable. Because we have to know the essence of the parable to answer a question such as, is it a sin not to go to church? For example, at my congregation that I was at for many years, we had nurses and police that often had to work on Sundays. And our congregation only had a Sunday worship service. We did not have Saturday or Monday like some other churches have. Now, was that therefore a sin for them to go to work and keep their jobs rather than go to church? No, not at all. In fact, they attempted to get off on Sundays, and then we did have, during Advent and Lent, Wednesday services they would come to, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and so forth. So let's examine this a little bit. Some say they don't need to go to church because Jesus did everything to redeem us And we're not saved by works, so why should we have to go to church? Now, that sounds good from a law and gospel point of view, that no work is going to get you to heaven. So why go to church? You see, they're considering it that it would be a work that would save them. And since Jesus saves us, why go to church? I'm going to change the sentence a little bit. Some say they don't need to go back home at Christmas to visit their parents because their parents did everything necessary to have them begotten in the family as a child. And our parents don't love us because we visit them. So why should we have to go and visit our parents at Christmas? 
Uh, you see how silly that sounds? Of course you want to visit your parents at Christmas or at their birthdays or their anniversary, etc. And yes, it doesn't get them to love you more and you don't become more of a child because you do that. But that's because of your love for your parents. Nobody should be going to church in order to be saved. Because on Judgment Day, you can say to God, well, look it, I went to church every Sunday. I took the Lord's Supper. I even attended the Bible classes. And I gave a pretty good amount in the offering. None of that is going to get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, who paid for your sins. Therefore, this idea that I don't have to go to church because works don't save me, that's the devil talking in a person. Now, does that mean that that person is not going to be saved? That's something you got to be careful about. Because on the one hand, you can say that someone is not correct in their theology, but you need to be careful that that false theology is superior to having faith in Jesus Christ. A lot of people are not obeying the laws of God these days because they're ignorant of what the law of God says. And so until they come to an understanding and then go against it, well, that's something else. Uh, the other situation he gave, there are those who know they should go to church to thank, praise, worship, receive absolution, forgiveness of sins, but they have many other obligations. So church is given lower priority because God is loving and forgiving. Well, if you take a close look, at what we found in the parable of the great banquet. The excuses they gave for not coming to the banquet were not valid, but rather excuses of unbelief. The one said, I bought a field and I must go and see it. Nobody buys fields in Palestine before they see them. If that's true, I've got some... Uh, water fields down in Florida, some swamps that I'd love to sell you. The other says, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. If, if you go to where they sell oxen, people go to a field that's nearby to see if the oxen are going to work together. Five yoke, that's ten of them. And he hasn't done any work in examining them? That's ridiculous. And then, in that day, to say, I married a wife and therefore I cannot come. You know, women were not considered, under a lot of uh, Jewish thinking, to be that important. Remember, they're not even allowed in the temple, along with children and the lame, the blind, and so forth. So to give an excuse that you got to be with your wife, rather than this person who's having this tremendous banquet... That's not going to wash. Every summer, we would go to a place called Point Pelee. It was uh, really a wonderful 
area was blocked off. You had to have permission to get in. There were many cabins there. And my parents would rent a cabin for about a week. And uh, it's where two lakes came together. And I, I'm not kidding. It's called Point Pelee because you go out on the point. It's uh, about a quarter of a mile long. And it finally comes to a point. And if you put your left foot on the one side and your right foot on the other, you have different temperature waters from the two lakes. Now, we therefore did not go to church on Sunday. But we would often have on the beach a short worship service that my dad would conduct in praying to God, going over a Bible study, etc. So was that a sin not to go to church? I don't think so. I mean, how many people golf as professionals? And if you're good enough and make it finally to Sunday, who's going to say, well, I'm sorry, I can't golf because I have to go to church? This is why a number of churches do have worship services on other days for people to go. So what is the parable of the great banquet telling us? If your excuse in not going to church is one of unbelief, because these people didn't want to come to the banquet, no, because they didn't believe and trust the person who is giving the banquet. And, of course, that person is none other than Jesus Christ. For you to neglect coming to the banquet of Jesus Christ because you don't believe in him as the Messiah, then that would be a sin. But if it's not a matter of unbelief, then we need to be a little careful. I've had members many a time who become ill and they don't show up at church. And they often say, boy, I just don't feel right this week. And I correct them. Because, because you're ill, that would God, that's God allowing that, and you're not able to go to church, that doesn't mean that that is a sin. No. God's promises are sure for you, regardless of the circumstances. And so when I had my surgery recently, uh, fortunately, it was midweek. And so I had it on Tuesday. I went home on Wednesday. Now, I did have a Wednesday worship service I was to conduct, and I got someone else to do it for me because I did need some rest after the surgery. But the following Sunday, I had two churches I was preaching at, and I went to them. Now, there was that restriction. I wasn't allowed to drive, so my wife drove me. But I did miss the Wednesday night service. That wasn't a sin. I don't believe that at all. It was because God wanted me to have that surgery, which I had. So... Anybody can phone if you have any other question. It's 821-0850 or toll-free 1-800-730-2727.
And we're only going to be going now to those who are on the line. I think this is Steve. Steve, are you on the air? Hello, Steve. Let's see. Push this button. Hi, Steve. Yeah, hi. Um, years ago, when I was talking to a friend, a non-Christian, about Christianity, he said, going to church doesn't help you be a Christian any more than parking your car in the garage helps your car become a garage or something like that. And at the time, I really didn't have a good response. But, man, that is so silly. <laughs> I mean, the car doesn't feel the Holy Spirit. The garage is not talking to the car. Uh, you're not having other Christians around you. You know, it's inanimate object versus the things you can feel going to church. The benefits of church are so, uh, so many. So what and did again, they say? Say that once more. That going to church. Said going to church makes you a Christian. Doesn't make you a Christian any more than parking my car in the garage makes my car a garage. Okay. Well, then I would look at him and say, well, then I guess you never go visit your parents because visiting your parents isn't going to make you a better child. I liked that analogy you used earlier when you described that about uh, going back to see your parents because that, that, that was, yeah, I could, I could relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a car is an inanimate object. Uh, a garage is an inanimate object. But I'll tell you this, I could even use the garage. I could say... Uh, Wes Reimnitz, you know, he's with me on Thursdays. He sure. he contacted me, and he was visiting an individual when a big storm came through. This actually happened to him this week. A tree fell on his car and shattered his windows. Wow. Now, if he had been in a garage, get my point? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, your car uh, parking in the garage could save you maybe $1,000 in insurance or something like that. So who wouldn't park in a garage to protect your car? That's why we have garages. You don't have to wash them a lot of times. Uh, they're protected from bad weather. And it's harder to steal a car when it's in a garage. So there's all kinds of benefits. And for him not to recognize that makes it obvious he was just trying to find something where he says there's no well, benefits in going to church. Well, we were friends since kindergarten and he was in my wedding. But I think that I tried too hard to convert him, and now he's uh, he won't he doesn't talk to me, doesn't answer my calls. So I'm kind of bummed about that. Maybe we, he could say some prayers for me on that. <laughs> well, I, I want to respond to what you just said. I try too hard to convert him. Um, that means you're saying that Jesus got crucified because he tried too hard to convert the Pharisees. You never well, I know try the Holy Spirit hard. does the work, but I, I, it's I impossible too hard for you to for him. It's impossible for you to try too hard. Well, for his liking, oh, I try too hard well, for no, his no. liking. Well, there, there's no way I can try anyway when I'm dealing with someone who's going to reject the message. It's impossible to try perfectly. Jesus, look how many times he failed from a human point of view. Uh, the best example I can give you is Judas. Are we going to say that Jesus tried too hard with Judas? He even allowed him to take care of the money, and he heard the message all the time. No, no, no. We never can try too hard where we get blamed f by God for a person rejecting the message. 
if they don't want to talk to us anymore, that's not the fault of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fault of God. It's not the fault of us. About the only way I would say I try too hard is if, you know, I drive for Uber and I have somebody in the car who's an unbeliever and I say, boy, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're definitely going to hell and you better stop all your sins also. Now, that's not trying too hard. That's just giving false doctrine. (laughs) But to try too hard because of your love for him, God doesn't blame you, but the devil just would take what he interpreted as an attitude that you felt you were more righteous than he was or something. Um, When I have people who won't talk to me anymore, uh, the way to get to them is to write them a letter and just share some of the things in the letter. They almost always read the letter. They may not read emails. Um, A lot of times I get over 100 emails a day, of which I only look at about maybe 10. Because how many times do I want to go to the Mediterranean on a cruise, you know? (laughs) So a lot of them are just spam, and they're sent out as spam. But uh, the ones I do look at, I'll either bring on the radio or I'll write back to them or phone them. I like phoning them. But uh, to try too hard, that's what Jesus could be accused of, if you get my meaning. I do. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for calling. All righty. And uh, we're just going to go down the line here, and let's talk to Michael. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing uh, great. How are you doing? You need to get it fixed where you can hear the the radio on the you know when we're when we're waiting on the phone. Uh, but anyway, uh, I need to get a what? Well, when you're waiting on the phone, it's dead, so I got to keep my radio on, you know. But I liked it the old way where where we could you know because you know you guys are, are you have a time lapse, you know, where I where I'd be in real time with you when you know if uh, if if you had it fixed right, because otherwise you don't hear nothing. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's just dead, you know. I, I did not realize that. But in the old system, you could hear while you were waiting? Yeah, you could hear the radio program, but it'd be in real time, you know, and or not not radio time. I'll check into that uh, because we do have some new phone systems here. It took me a while to get used to that and stuff. But that's a very good point, Michael. But I'm sure that's not the main reason you called. What's your question? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you were saying, um, you know, you picked up this lady. She was a Catholic. Her name was Sam on your second job. Well, she said that she didn't attend church regularly. Is that correct? She did until she came to the point that she didn't agree with what they were saying. Oh, okay. Well, that's the same thing. Um, But, you know, if you're a Catholic and you miss Mass, I mean, that's a mortal sin. And if you die with a mortal sin on your soul, you go straight to hell, no purgatory or nothing. And what Bible verse is that? <laughs> well, the the Catholic Church claims to go beyond the Bible. Well, yeah. very good point, Michael. You know, and I'm not allowed as a pastor to go beyond the Bible, and neither is the Pope. If it's not in the Bible, it's false teaching. Mm. Well, I mean, there's got. Oh yeah, no one more thing. Um, yes. I, was, I was. I've been thinking about this all week. You know, we were talking about last week. You know, where you're saying that. Uh, that if there's any self-interest in a good work, it's sin or something like that? If you do it out of self-interest, in contrast to Philippians, where Jesus had the interest of others. 
Right. Okay. Well, I, I was thinking about that. And you know what that reminds me of? I mean, this this I think this is like part of your uh, thinking. Yes. You know that song in Jingle Bells where it says you better be good for goodness sake? Isn't that kind of the same thing? I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. One of my favorite songs is um, uh, a young man is driving his girlfriend around. They have a crash and she dies. And he sings the song and says, I better be good so I can be with her in heaven. I heard that song. That's an old one. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's got a good tune and I used to like it. Well, I still like it. But it's a perfect example of what you are saying, Michael. You've really got a good theological mind. All right. Well, thanks. Thank you very much right. for calling. And that was uh, Michael... Uh, trying to help us understand really why most people think they're saved by their works. And I can understand that if a person thinks that they're saved by what they are doing. So we're just near the end here. And we've got a new system here. Just a second. Okay. I'll try and see if this person's still on. Nope. Uh, I think we lost them. Okay. Um, yeah, we're at the end. We're talking about on Monday, where we're going through a Bible study, that when we sin, we have a debt before God. And we're going to talk about how do we get rid of that debt? How is that debt? gone. Okay, I think we got, hello, I'm Tom Baker, who's this? This is David. Go ahead, David. I'm just, I'm just calling in response to Mike there. Um, <clears throat> what he was trying to say, and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but sure. the Catholic Church would teach if you intentionally forsake the assembling, Hebrews 10.25, for no valid reason, then it's a sin because they look at first John chapter five, mortal sin and venial sin. There's some sins that are mortal, some sins that are not so serious. So that's what he's trying to get at. But that's the scripture they would use. Like if you intentionally miss going to church for frivolous reasons, like Hebrews 10.25 would say, not forsaking the assembling, then you're committing a sin. I don't disagree that it's a sin to forsake the assembling. What I'm arguing with, why would somebody be going to hell for that, since all sins are forgiven? Well, it, become, it comes down to... Uh, disobedience you know it says god became the author of eternal salvation to all of them that obey him so if you if you uh pick and choose what you want to believe out of the new testament then you're becoming your own pope no i understand that the point i'm making though is that from god's point of view even if a person sins but still has faith in jesus god recognizes him as obeying the law because he's wearing Christ's robe of righteousness? Uh, it probably comes down to, you know, we should not live in sin, that grace may abound. I, 
just because you're wearing a robe doesn't mean you can live a abhorrent lifestyle. Like say if you're a drunkard or if you're gay or if you're well, the cheating prod- on your wife. The prodigal you son know. had all those sins, and when he returned, he was he got dressed in the robe of the father, and all of his yeah. sins were forgiven. But he had to repent. He had to come back in humbleness and repent. But he didn't. When he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'll go back to my dad. I'll tell him I've sinned before you and before God. Maybe one of your best hired servants. He was coming out of self-interest. There was no repentance there at all. Until the father rushed out to him and grabbed him. Then he had repentance. Yeah, it was still there, though. The repentance did come. And that's all I'm saying. If you don't have that... You're, you're missing uh, a big key to Christianity. All right. You there's more to talk about that. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm agreeing we don't live in sin, but we just don't have the time to finish this. Uh, I understand. Bring it up. Thank you very much for calling. We'll be back on Monday. God bless. Each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker. P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.